Coming up on today's episode, we break down the Jets' season opening loss in Calgary, plus more on the blockbuster extension signed by Hellebuck and Shifley. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's dive right on in late Wednesday night, soon to be early Thursday morning. We're recording. I like the ring of that. Bars. Uh, <laughs> bars says everybody over 50 is like, what is he talking about? <laughs> um, but yeah, let's get right into it here. We're going to break down Jets Flames, an unfortunate ending for the club, 5-3 in Calgary. Um, So we'll get into all the talking points, what happened on that game-winning goal there, and who stood out in a positive and negative way and all that. So plenty to get into, super late, so let's not waste any time. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. How we doing, Tyson? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. That's all you get. All <laughs> right. Let's get right into it here. Not that I don't want to hear about it, but I'm tired as hell. I'm kind of cranky too. Because let's be honest, before we get into any like individual performances, Tyson, Jets just deserve two points. It's a travesty that they end up with a donut in the point column right now. Because pretty much from start to finish, maybe you could say start to 58 minutes and 45 seconds they skated the flames out of the rink it, it, it was as, as as far as performances could have gone putting the goals aside that was some damn good hockey by the jets just didn't end up the way we wanted it to yeah no they played pretty much as close to a perfect game aside from a couple blunders and that's what ended up costing them in the end right like this just up up and down they kind of just gave it to the flames there wasn't especially and it will get like you said we'll get into individual performances but especially that top line like they are they're gonna give some teams some trouble this year and that was especially noticeable in this game against calgary and yeah like just it was a just a really good team effort and a couple bad balances go their way one where you know if it's in the offensive zone you're able to challenge that and get that yeah goal wiped off there was some there was a little bit of a lapse on the defensive side there too which you know it's it's hard it's hard to get mad at that when the goal shouldn't even count to begin with but just a little bit of trouble getting back there and then another defensive lapse on that last goal just kind of cost them and I don't even think Hellebuck like he gave up four goals but I don't think he played bad in the game either it was just a lot of inopportune it was just inopportune times that the, the Flames got their chances and they capitalized on them and Jets just weren't able to capitalize on enough chances today. Markstrom played a pretty hell of a good game for the Flames and kept them in it, especially in the first period, regardless of that squeaker. There could have it could have been three nothing, four nothing early on. So hats off to Markstrom. He kept the Flames in it and got them the W. Tyson Jacob Markstrom played so good that John Schneider would have pulled him after forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. you got us this far. Thanks for the thanks for the game. We're bringing in Danny yeah. Vladar, oh, fresh off a seven goal outing. Yeah, our our numbers say Dan Vladar is actually better in the third period. Yeah. So we're 
Well, Shapiro's Regardless. got a presser. Shapiro's yeah. got a presser tomorrow, and I think there's going to be some interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I just still, the, the the loss the loss pisses me off so that it just brings back negative memories of the past <laughs> week. So I had to I had to take a shot at the Blue Jays there, but I, I mean you're right. Like the first period, the first forty minutes probably should have been like like if he if he was average on the night, the Jets pour four or five past him, and they're probably cruising in, in cruise control in the final period there, up a few goals. Uh, they they did everything right through I, I guess offensively at the very least. But I would even say defensively, they they, they played pretty good. Um, what I what I like the most as just from a team perspective in the game, Tice, and it's always so difficult. Like you don't want to overreact to one game, but it's all we've seen so far, so we don't really have anything else to go off of right now. So both positive and negative, you don't want to swing too far in either direction. But if you want to talk about an identity for this team, if the recipe is that game against Calgary, and this is a four-check you into the ground club that is going to be able to limit chances against and create high-quality ones for. That's a pretty successful formula moving forward here. Like that, that to me was the biggest thing that stood out in a positive sense from this game, Tice, is that the forward group and that four-check was just vicious. And and that's a really, really good Calgary blue line, a top 10 blue line in the NHL. And I thought the Jets hemmed in the Flames for the majority of the night, and Calgary didn't have much of an answer for it. They just got they, they just got pounded into the boards for the majority of the contest, and, and Winnipeg took advantage. And it's again, if it wasn't for Markstrom, I, I, I think we might have seen a little bit more of the the Vancouver Edmonton scoreline as opposed to what ultimately ended up against Calgary. That that to me was the most promising development on the night. Is that Team play-wise, very strong, but the four-check in particular was really, really impressive. Yeah, and a four-check like that can mask some deficiencies talent-wise in your bottom six, right? Like, it's a, the Jets have a solid bottom six group. I wouldn't say it's the most skilled and talented bottom six group in the NHL, but that's not really what you're looking for, right? It's a, th- That bottom six is going to be able to drive some other teams' bottom six crazy. And that's if you're winning those battles consistently with the way the top line played today, if they keep that up, you're going to win a lot of hockey games just because a team can't withstand that for a full 60 minutes consistently. If you can consistently bring that pressure and obviously you're going to have some off games every now and then. But like you said, it's 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 a promising sign to say the least. I don't want to be a downer too, but we we have seen strong first half season play before. So that hopefully this trend continues throughout the season. But I mean, if you're just basing it off this one, this one game already, especially the thing that surprised me the most was that they were able to look as good as they did with how unideal of a training camp they had. Like the, they weren't able to completely have a lot of those guys participate in a full camp. Perfetti had, there was that the hit kind of threw some things off there. Ehlers obviously being out for majority of the training camp. Schmidt didn't have much of a training camp and you know maybe that led to that end of the game icing there but yeah for for them to and we'll talk about that in a bit but just for them to show that effort and a team like in that Ottawa game they looked like they were lacking chemistry they did not look like they were lacking chemistry at all in this game so there's there's a lot to look forward to going off of this game yeah no I agree and the main thing like I mean you want to stack some wins early in the season so 
Like, let's not do the, oh, we won of the Corsi right. sheet, like victory lap thing here. But if you're going to lose game one, look like that. Like, play like that. And then over the course of the first 10 games, the team's going to be above 500 and, and, and things will definitely be on the up and up there. So, yeah, I, I thought, I thought, I mean, to be honest, it was a performance by the Jets that doesn't really leave a whole lot of negatives. It was just a couple of mistakes here and there, and especially at the worst possible time at the end that that cost them. But other than that, I, I don't really have a whole lot negative to say. And on that note, let's kind of zoom on in and go from macro to micro here and, and touch on some of those individual performances or maybe line combination performances by the Jets in this one. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, Tyson. But it was, I mean, it was impossible to ignore. The top line's going to be a problem. I, I, you know, I, I've been the one of the guys that said, maybe Velarde's better suited down the middle as opposed to Perfetti, and, and maybe that might be true long-term. But I don't know if I'm taking him off that top line and taking him off the right wing anytime soon. That looked like uh, that was a big boy line in that game. And again, yeah. going up against a Calgary, A, blue line, that's great. And then B, a couple of high-end defensive centers in Backlund and Lindholm. And Calgary was basically like, please, God, just help us get through this game. Like, like they, they didn't have an answer for them whatsoever. And I mean, Velarde himself probably could have had a Hattie. Yeah. Um, Connor, I mean, I don't know how many one timers he blasted on the on the half wall there on the power play. And then Shifley was, I mean, he was great all night long and and justly rewarded for that at the time game tying goal in the third period there. I would say flawless. <laughs> that was flawless. Yeah. They they were just so good. And, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna mention this quickly and get this out of the way. But Mark Shifley was back checking in this game. He was engaged. He was engaged. But yeah, like and, and just Velarde too. I had some concerns coming into training camp with yeah, because you weren't super high on, or you weren't as high as others on the return in the right. Trade. I, I was just I was kind of I was trying to temper expectations, but. Maybe I shouldn't have been. I, like I might not. I don't think I should have been. He looked. He's one of. The, he's a perfect fit for those two. He still has the ability to make those passes below below the goal line. I think that's a role that really suits him well, especially on the. Not to mention the power play looked great too. But they didn't get any production to show for it. But that power play looked much different than the one from last year. So that's another positive coming out of this game. But yeah, like the and Velarde, he just finds those spots too. Like he's just a smart skilled hockey player that knows how to use his IQ to his advantage to complement his skill set. And I think that that's just going to fit in perfectly with those two. They're going to, they are going to score and all three guys have legit shots. And no, we kind of talked about having that, that fear where because there's three shooters on a line, everyone kind of tries to be the passer, but they were, they were spreading the wealth out evenly. All guys were take, were putting themselves in good chances and getting good opportunities throughout the game. And Mark, like, Mark Shifley, when he has the puck in a high-danger scoring opportunity, there's not many guys that can finish like he can. That that's, that shot was absolutely disgusting on Mark on Markstrom there. So, yeah, it's... And even the second line, too. With Nino, I thought Nino had a really strong game as well. Ehlers popped. He had, he had moments where he was popping on the ice. Perfetti had a kind of a low-event game, but that's not the worst thing for... A guy still trying to find his way as a center and 
his first game of the regular season against full NHL competition. So I don't think that's anything to get too riled up about. But yeah, it was all in all, the forward group was awesome. And I thought Dylan Sandberg had a really good game on the back end too. Yeah, yeah, I would say I would say the the pairing, yeah, performed pretty well. I mean, the I think it was the first Calgary goal on the power play, like a bad bounce, Pionk blocks it, and it goes right to the flame. Yeah, uh, the flame player there to bury it past Hellebuck. But I mean, they, they if you look at the numbers, the 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 analytics, Tyson. I don't know if this is good or not. Maybe you can tell me. But is um ninety seven and ninety five percent expected goals rate is that good? Sounds good. That sounds that sounds <laughs> that sounds like what you would want. Sounds ideal. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with ideal, and that's what Pionk and Sandberg were on the night. So I mean, the numbers backed up the eye test there for sure, and that's a massive development. If that, I mean, not to that level, but if if that if the Jets can tilt the ice with that second pair, that takes away one of, if not the biggest concern on the team right now. And I, I would agree with with Perfetti, too, in that second line, Tyson. I mean, they, they didn't overly jump off the page the way that the top line did. But it was just pretty consistent success all night long. I was really pleasantly surprised by Perfetti's performance in his own end. He's just really smart. He's just a smart player. He just gets it. And he he might be able to pull it off. He might be able to be the guy. Yeah, at least at least in game one he looked like it. So that that was great to see. And I I thought too, like for a line that hasn't really played at all together in practice, let alone in an actual game setting, at, at least they were able to generate a little bit of chances, right? So I I think it's just going to get better and better for those three. And even Nino himself, Nino could have had a couple of goals, right? Ehlers finds him with that great pass in the first period and just kind of flubs the what looked to be an open net there hits off the skate of the flames defender. Right. So, I mean, even, even that line that didn't pop in a big way was still a big time positive for the team there. And, and you're right with that top line again, Tyson, it's, it's pretty wild that, you know, Velarde, Velarde's got what 30, 35 goal potential and he might have the worst shot on the line. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's a, that's a tendies nightmare right there with three snipers, uh, with the caliber of shots that they have. And look, you don't have to worry about, you know, are each of them going to get their shots off when they spend 90% of the game in the offensive zone because they each got a handful of shot opportunities. And yeah, Velarde probably should have had one last night. Did he have um, five shots? Did he have some, like five shots after the first? It felt it felt it, like it. I, <laughs> like, I, don't know if, I don't know if that was the actual number. Uh, that would not surprise me whatsoever. And I would say three to four of those were right in and around the net area. And you could tell he was getting frustrated. Like there was one really good one he had right in the slot that he kind of maybe rushed a little bit and just painted the chest of Markstrom there. But he's if, if he does that night in, night out, he's going he's gonna to blow by 30. I, I don't think there's much doubt about that. So I think overall with the top six and, and the Skell guys up front, very impressive performance by those guys. I mean, the third line with the, hey, the, the I mean, Ayafalo got on the score sheet. They kind of, no surprises there, right? It's not going to be pretty, but they were effective at the very least. I thought it was a bit of a rough one for the fourth line in comparison with the rest of the team. Uh, I mean, Kupari didn't look super great in his regular season debut for the Jets and then was obviously trailing his man on the game-winning goal for Calgary. 
I mean, if you had so somebody's got to be the worst line out of the four, and unfortunately, it was the fourth line for the club there. Um, I mean, I, I wonder if maybe maybe Bones gave him a little bit too much ice time in this one, but even then, like Kupara got nine minutes of even strength, Morgan Barron six forty three. So I guess that's not too much, right? But they just didn't have as as steady of a night as as at least the third line did for Winnipeg and. I kind of thought about this with that fourth line too. It kind of seems like three good players that don't really fit together. You know what I mean? Like it just to me, it seems like there's like each guy kind of has a different stylistic approach to the game. And sometimes that works, but sometimes like in this scenario, I just feel like sometimes there's, they're trying too much or they're just not on the same page with the way they want to play as a line. And me and I mean it's game one too, right? Like they got that's, yeah, that's the tough part, right? Like it's you're right, but you just got to give them some time and, yeah. and hopefully they figure it out. Yeah, and so we'll we'll see. Try not to. And I'm so bad for this too. I try to differentiate the, the recency bias just because it's right there and your mind starts racing. Like, oh, maybe, maybe this is gonna be maybe this is gonna happen. Maybe this is gonna happen instead. And so try to avoid that. But yeah. Really, if that if your main complaint from the game is that your fourth line didn't have a great game, uh, you're doing pretty good overall. You'll take it. You'll take it for an opener, right? That's all right. Uh, as far as the blue line goes, I mean, we touched on Sandberg and Pionk, who who showed themselves quite well. I mean, again, it's it's probably just the bottom of the roster here that that failed the team and in, in the loss here. Because Morrissey and DeMello, and, and especially, I mean, Morrissey looks like the guy from last year. Yep. You know, I said he might not be able to match his points. I mean, yeah, maybe I was right, but in the wrong sense. Maybe he's going to blow past it this year. <laughs> I mean, he's he's as as impressive as he was. And as great as Shifley's shot was on that tying goal, Morrissey's pass might have been even better to, to feed Shifley there, to, to find a way to, to needle that one through. So, I mean, yeah, Morrissey was great. DeMello kind of his usual steady self. The second pair, as advertised. Again, maybe it's just that rust factor where Schmidt didn't play a whole lot. But that that was probably the weak spot on the blue line for the Jets in that one. Um, but I would imagine, I mean, you would think if, if Schmidt Dillon's your third pair, while dollar efficiency-wise, it might not be the best way to go about things, I, I think they're going to figure it out. Just a bit of a... Bit of a rough one in certain spots for the Schmidt Dylan pairing last night. Yeah, and it's I mean it's super evident at the end of the game there too, right? That's I I mean ideally I don't I think Schmidt had a lot of time. I, I think he could have made a different play. And yeah, yeah, you're tired. And he was trying to get it on net. Like it, it didn't miss by much. It was skimmed right by the post for an icing, and then we all know what happens after that. But yeah, like. Maybe you try like he had time, time and space to at least get like a flipper. You know what I mean? Like at least kind of sky it out, give it, get a, give a chance for a couple guys to get off the ice there. But yeah, it's we're we're looking, we're, we're trying to like overanalyze a lot of the game too, and it's just hard on a one game basis, right? And especially like you mentioned, Schmidt not having that full training camp, not, ha- not maybe he's just not quite ready for that for that pace right away. It's hard. It's, it's hard to just come into game one of an NHL regular season and be like, oh, I'm all good to go without having any game action prior to that. So 
and, and he was pretty good last year. So that could just be you're tired. Sometimes you just make a stupid mistake. It happens, right? That could, that very well could have been that. But that, yeah, that 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 whole final goal was to me was just tired brain. Yeah, like I mean, Schmidt with the mistake there with the puck, and then the faceoff loss. Kapari just kind of loses his man in the corner. That like I, I don't really know what he was doing either. Nice play by by the flame forward to kind of do that the old backhand pass going the opposite direction. It was like it was a nice play by them, but just a couple lapses here and there, it's, and, it, and it kills them. And it's funny too, Tice, because the Jets have, more than any team that I can remember have this insane ability to fail to get to overtime, <laughs> and it's so infuriating. Like it's it's like it drives me nuts all the time, but I didn't feel as angry this time. And maybe it's because they played so well. Like I don't know. It didn't it didn't feel like the collapse that we've seen in the past. It was just like one tiny mistake, a couple nice plays by the Flames, and the puck ends up at the back of the net. There, I, I I'm not gonna say this team will never hold a lead late in the game. It's the same old Jets that way. It's just unfortunate that they once again failed to find a way to get to ot it's kind of a sneaky trade for a team right like just to be like even if you lose an ot you bank a point pick one up on the road let's head home and regroup after that but wasn't meant to be i guess in alberta last night yeah it's 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 a good stepping point for the season though like this is this is, you don't want to see your team kind of lay an egg in game one, regardless regardless if it is game <laughs> Edmonton. One. Yeah, no, oh my gosh, no kidding. And speaking of some of those other games, just the just watching some of the LA Colorado game, thank God that clown's out of town. Oh yeah. As like Dubois. And, uh, for, a... for those that are unaware, that clown Tyson is referring to is Mr. Pierre-Luc Dubois, who, and I, I guess, I guess this is what he does. He took a idiotic penalty. They need a guy. That, that like doesn't a, sound. That doesn't sound like the Dubois I know. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It's just a selfish penalty. Why? Who? That that's so out of character for are me. Are you sure? Are you sure it was the same guy, Tyson? Uh, I I hope not because I got my. Yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Lady Bing trophy winner. That blocked <laughs> my pro- No, my prop bet. It's failed <laughs> before the season started. It was an idiotic hit. Terrible hit. He's going to get suspended. He should get suspended. Um, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of the Cal- Colorado-LA game, but with how good Velarde looked, I don't think I'm going to miss him all that much. No, so that's very nice. And just adding I follow on top of that, even if he is just like... Alex Ayafalo, like he just sits at his expectations, just adding that onto Velarde. It's it's definitely you you're, you're reaping the rewards and a second round pick as well. Like it's a pretty good haul. Yeah, Chevy does some good work. We'll get to some of his other work in uh, well, just a, a minute or two. But one last thing to wrap up, uh, Bo, on the game against Calgary, Connor Hellebuck. The goals against the save percentage won't look good. He's got to stop that third one, the the shorthanded goal for the Flames. A nice shot, sure, but I mean he's in the high slot. You get a good look at it. He's uh, he'll say it. I, he hasn't spoken yet, but he'll say it. I got to stop that one. Yeah, that, that that to me was kind of it. Like other than that, I don't really blame him on any of the other goals. 
But that one was a bit of a backbreaker, no doubt about it. But uh, on the other hand, should have been blown dead because it was a clear high stick. And don't, yeah, I mean that the rule, the challenge, all that stuff, kind of a joke when it would take the referees like twenty seconds to review it and change it. But nonetheless, definitely a puck that you would expect most goalies to stop. Connor Hellebuck should be able to stop that one in his sleep. Yeah, it just seemed like that everyone that on that rush, not just like on that shift for the goal, but just like that rush, it kind of just seemed like just a brain lapse for everyone for for a split second. Like, so when Shifley came back for the back check, he came back on his guy, like forced Lindholm to pull back up. But then after that, there was really no one within within 10 feet of Rasmus Anderson. So he has that walks in. I don't know if Halibut's expecting it or not, but yeah, you got a clean shot like that from around the Raynette line. That's usually Halibut stops at 99 times out of 100. Yep. They'll stop it next time. No biggie. We got this. Just a tough one for the Jets, no doubt about it. Deserved much, much better. But ultimately, skating back home with that defeat in their back pockets. And they'll have to to regroup and rebound in a bit of a beauty matchup setup, Tyson. Paul Maurice coming back to town. The Florida Panthers, Saturday afternoon, a Saturday afternoon one. The beers are going to be flowing big time at the Life Center. Oh, baby, I can't wait for that one. Let's hope the Jets can uh, grab a couple of points and maybe a couple of pints as well on a Saturday afternoon. Um, But all in all, a good effort for the club just didn't end the way any of us would have liked to have seen, but pretty positive start for the club, despite the 0-1 record. All right, 12.30. This is way too late. I don't even know what time I'm going to be up in a couple of hours. So this is this is tough for me, Tice. But I, <laughs> this is going to sound weird. And it's probably not possible. But can we quickly talk about the Shifley Hellebuck extensions <laughs> <laughs> that we heard about live while we were recording our previous episode? We've had a couple of days to react, let it soak in and marinate. I guess where are we at now, now that it's been a couple of days and we know that Shifley and Hellebuck are set to be Winnipeg Jets for the next eight years after the extension kicks in at 8.5 mil per season? I actually don't think my thoughts have really changed too much, surprisingly. Like I mentioned earlier, try not to use the one game so far to base, to kind of be like, well... Maybe Shifley might just put it out. Like maybe this is the new Shifley from now on. Like it's, it's you don't want to get into that because there has been that trend for the past couple of years. But I mean, if he play obviously if he plays like this for a full season, he's worth that contract and then some. But my concerns are still there, regardless of the, what game one entailed for us with Mark Shifley. I don't I don't know how it's how well it's going to age. We don't know if it comes up again and this stuff just just part of his game like that could just be part of his seasons when he plays when he plays and so my concerns haven't really dwindled yet because we won't find out for a couple years if if it was if the moves panned out or not really right i think the chances of the halibut siding ending up aging nicely is a lot higher than shifley and i think there's a better likelihood of that happening but it's a, it's a waiting game at this point. We, they, this is the bet that they're going to make. 
they're going to try and make the playoffs. Hopefully management sticks on that promise and continues to to improve this team and make the moves that they need to make to make to reach that next step, right? It's one thing to keep on making these trades where you kind of bolster your depth a little bit up front and on the back end, but at some point you are going to have to make a move for a legit top four defenseman. And I think that's the, that's one of the big things in this season now that if you're if your if your message is that we want to be a Stanley Cup contender and contend for the Stanley Cup this year, at some point you are going to have have to make a trade for a top four D man. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> easier said than done. Yeah, <laughs> especially but, with you know trying to get cap out, bring cap, all that. St- I don't disagree with you. I don't know how it's going to happen in season, but. Let's hope it does. But I, that, that kind of takes me to where my thinking is going on this as well in a, in a similar vein to you, Tyson. I mean, I, I would actually say that I'm slightly more positive than I was when I first heard the news. And I don't know. When I when I think about the extensions, I, I do kind of still agree with my initial thought at the time in that it is a bit of a mixed bag for me. Like, I've been pretty adamant since before this past season ended that the Jets should be doing whatever it takes to sign Connor Hellebuck to an extension that, that, that should priority. Number one, he's one of the elite in the NHL. When you have somebody like that and they are open to signing in this market, you go ahead and you get that done. So I had no problem with that one, right? The Mark Shifley one to me, there's a lot more risk involved than there is with the Connor Hellebuck deal. But the other part of that is, do you get the Hellebuck deal done without Mark Shifley being signed? And if that's the case, would you rather both sign or both leave? And both leaving might mean you don't trade them at all and you get nothing for them. And then where is the club at that? You know what? You kind of get what I'm getting at there? Like, What's the butterfly effect? It is the butterfly effect to an extent. And if, if I had to pick one of those scenarios, I think everybody would agree that having them both is is better than potentially the catastrophic route of, of losing them for absolutely nothing. So there is that aspect of it. I, I'd still... Game one was a great start in the right direction. I still wonder if... If Shifley's the one C on a cup contending team, or in that sense, do they need a massive upgrade over Cole Perfetti right now to be a cup contending team, right? Like I, there, there's that aspect to this too, as well for me, that, that kind of worries me a little bit in that it's great. The Jets sign them, but where does that ultimately leave the group in terms of its ceiling? Is it going to be much more than just a bubble playoff team third in the division, lucky to get out of the first round, right? Like, can they find a way to, to get past that with these signings? I don't know. Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. The the one thing I would say too, though, is you know, heading into this season at least, it looks like by my math that the eight point five Shafley will get next year puts him in and around fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeenth highest paid centers in the NHL. That that's pretty fair. Yeah, <laughs> that like that. Yeah, I I, I kind of wondered is that an overpay? I would say that's completely reasonable so but you know he's going to be 31 when it starts 
And how well is he going to I mean, everybody said this when Wheeler signed his deal. Well, he takes good care of his body. His conditioning's great. All that stuff. And then the Jets, I mean, we're dealing with the buyout right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So th- th- there, there's a lot of risk involved. There's no doubt about that. It's not the perfect scenario for the club that's like, oh, this is an absolute no-brainer. Way to go. Everybody's happy. There's no disagreement on either side here. The one thing that now that we know the direction of the team in terms of the contracts being taken care of, I would say this unequivocally, though, is that management, you've made your position very clear now. This team is in win-now mode. It is in let's get into the dance and make some noise mode. Run the team accordingly then. Yes. Be aggressive in the trade market. If an opportunity is there, be aggressive in free agency. Probably not. But especially the trade market, be uh, aggressive. Like now's the time then. You commit big money to guys that are going to be essentially career-long Winnipeg Jets. Put your money where your mouth is. Find a way to improve this team, especially on the back end, on that second pairing. And let's go and make some noise and see just how far this club can ultimately go. Right. That, that to me is the one thing it's, it, it's not sign them, pat yourselves on the back and enjoy a couple of home playoff games. That, 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 that can't be it. Right. Like you want to take advantage of these guys agreeing to sign, especially in the next three years before Shifley Hellebuck enter their mid to late thirties. Let's get aggressive here. Not reckless, but let's get a little bit aggressive and, and and try to build a team that more mirrors the 2018 Jets as opposed to the 2021 Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I and I also, th- I don't think they're in this position, but in my eyes, this should be a make or break year for the management group. If you, we go through this season again and shovel day off once again is sort of just that tinker mode, uh, that's... This is a that's enough of a sample size for me to say I don't think this guy can build a, a cup winning team. And at some point you have to make that decision because he's been here a long time. Most GMs do not make it close to 15 years with one club. That's it's getting to a point now, especially with how far we're removed from that 2018 season, where it's now or never. And if it's great that you sign these guys, like you said, but what else are you going to do? We know what this though. Keeping those guys just keeps the team where they're at. It's how we're going to implement and, and get this team to that next level. Will he do it? I, I hope so. I hope they put their money where your mouth is like you said, but we'll see. And I, I think that this, I am more than comfortable where if this team, if let's say for some stupid reason, this team doesn't make the playoffs. I think that is more than enough reason to, give the reins over to someone else and see if they can take this team to the next level. Cause I just, at that point, I don't think you're, you're kind of in no man's line with this management group. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, it is nice having said all that to have again, guys that want to sign and spend their whole careers here in Winnipeg. And I'll, I'll tell you what, it's a lot, it's a lot better of a free agent slash trade pitch to say, Hey, you want to come play in Winnipeg with Connor Hellebuck between the pipes as opposed to 
we got a new Earl's downtown. Want to check that out? <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's let's hope there's some some influx of talent brought in and and, and brought in soon here. And let's yeah, let's make a couple runs. Let's let's go and let's get the whiteouts. Let's have some deep playoff runs, and we'll be feeling nice and groovy. And on that note, Tyson, let's go to bed. We'll yeah. cap it there. Yeah, yes, <laughs> good night. Yeah, good night, everyone. Um, we'll end on a little more of a professional note. Um, <laughs> but we'll cap it there, and we'll get back at it next week, Tuesday morning, breaking down Jets, Panthers, any other news and notes that pop up from the club in between then, and get ready for a big time slate of games as well. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening. To another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki with us once again. We'll talk to you guys next week, Tuesday morning. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend. Have a great time, everybody. Peace. <laughs>